0: Hello Stonebridge, this is Pastor John, and we are starting a new podcast called Stonebridge Extras. And basically what this podcast is going to be is, every week during this Divine Appointment Sermon Series, we're gonna be taking something that was extra, that maybe didn't make it into the sermon, or a conversation that we've been having with the elders or on staff that we wanted to convey to all of you. Something extra though, that can help deepen your discipleship and help deepen your understanding of the Bible, and your understanding of how to follow Jesus. So this week in the sermon, I talked about Jesus's encounter with the woman at the well, and she is a Samaritan. And as I was doing research for this sermon and looking at the text, one question that kept on coming up for me that just seems so interesting is, who are the Samaritans? Who are this this, who is this people group of Samaritans that Jesus talks about regularly that are there in the gospel so frequently. They're in the book of Acts as well. We hear the term Samaritan often. We know the good Samaritan. We know the Samaritan woman at the well, but who exactly were these people and how did they become who they are? The more that I looked into that, the more fascinating the story was. So, I want to tell their story today as best as I can, and I want to give a disclaimer as we go into this. There are points of debate about who the Samaritans are and how they developed. I will try to point those out to you so you know where different scholars disagree and where those points of contention might be. But in general, who are the Samaritans? The Samaritans are a people group who lived just north of Jerusalem. They lived a little bit north of Jerusalem and a little bit north of the Jewish people. And they are remarkably similar to the Jewish people in Jesus's day. And in all sorts of ways, they are remarkably similar. They worship the same God. The, The God of the Old Testament is the God that the Samaritans worship as well. They had a very similar temple. It was at a different location, but the temple that was in Jerusalem, there was another one on Mount Gerizim that the Samaritans worshiped at. You can actually see this in Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well, when she says that the Jews believe that they should worship God in Jerusalem, but we believe that we should worship God at this mountain. That mountain is Mount Gerizim, where the Samaritans at one point had a temple that was very similar to the one in Jerusalem. Um, They had a similar language. In fact, they had the same language that they spoke. Um, And they had the, the Pentateuch, the same Bible. Um, There's a Samaritan version of it that develops later, but at one point, both these groups use the same Bible, the Jews and the Samaritans. This is a remarkably similar group to the Jewish people. And yet, there was so much conflict between the two of them, between the Samaritans and the Jews. I mean, we're talking serious conflict. We're not talking about just like I'm going to ignore you or say mean things about you or use slurs against you. We're talking raiding parties, going into towns and slaughtering villages regularly. We're talking about two people groups who went to actual war against each other time and again. I mean, this was very serious conflict. So how do two people groups who are so similar, who have so much in common, grow to despise one another? And to have these stark differences between each other. It's really a story that I'm going to tell here in three different acts. I think there's three stages that I could, defi- that I could really determine and, and define um, in researching the Samaritans that really highlight how they have this break with the Jewish people. And in the first act, it's really dominated by civil war. If you go all the way back to the beginning of what we would consider the kingdom of Israel, like Israel is with Moses in the desert, they wander in the desert, then they come into the promised land, and they don't really have solid leadership for for generations. They're ruled by these judges, and there's some corruption, and then the prophet Samuel is brought up, and then prophet Samuel anoints Saul to be the first king of Israel, but it's really under King David that what we think of as the kingdom of Israel comes about. And if you remember before that, Israel was a series of 12 different tribes that had some things in common, but they were not united in one kingdom at that stage in the nation of Israel. David unites them and creates one large kingdom. And it's these 12 tribes that are brought together. And under David and under his son, Solomon, Israel prospers. They have large boundaries. They become a regional powerhouse and they're running the show. But then Solomon dies. And after Solomon dies, his son cannot hold this kingdom together. And the 10 northern tribes stage a civil war. They stage a revolt and they overthrow the southern kingdom of Judah. So two tribes are down there with Judah and 10 tribes become the nation of Israel. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom is what they're called. The northern kingdom is the 10 tribes of Israel. Southern kingdom is the two tribes of Judah. This, I believe, is the beginning of the separation of the Samaritans and the Jewish people. Because the capital of Judah becomes Jerusalem or remains Jerusalem. The capital of the northern nation of Israel becomes Samaria. So you can start to see Samaritan developing there from the capital being Samaria. So anytime that there's a civil war, you're going to have a lot of similarities And yet you're going to have a profound sense of betrayal. And that's what we have here. And you can see this in the Bible. The the writers of the prophets from the southern kingdom of Judah, which is the majority of the prophets, they are angry with the northern kingdom for separating. They blame the northern kingdom. They point out how the northern kingdom is not faithful. And when the northern kingdom sets up their own temple at Mount Gerizim, The southern kingdom is is furious with this because Jerusalem is where the temple is. Jerusalem is where God worships. So that's the beginning of the separation. That's the first act of this story. In act two, the, the dominant theme is exile. Because what happens is the northern kingdom is attacked by the empire of Assyria. Assyria shows up to the northern kingdom, besieges them, and eventually... A large level of destruction takes place in the Northern Kingdom. And this is one of the biggest points of controversy here in the story of the Samaritans. There's a lot of debate about how much did the Assyrians destroy? How much did they actually tear down? How many uh, Northern Kingdom villages did they actually tear down? There, There is debate about that. But what seems to be the general rule is that we're talking about an issue of degree. What most scholars all agree on is that the Assyrian empire levels a good deal of destruction. They, they destroy a lot of the northern kingdom, but that there's also a remnant who stays in the northern kingdom. One of the things that the Assyrians would do is they would take people that they conquered and move them to a new town and move them to a new nation. And they would bring other foreign people into this nation. That does take place with the northern kingdom. It's in different geographies and different spaces but what you now have in this exile is the northern kingdom having a remnant of people who are still worshiping the god of the bible who separated from the southern kingdom but still worship the same god but now they have all these foreigners being brought in being forcibly integrated into their world and these foreigners they bring their gods with them so what you can see is the southern kingdom of judah which survives the Assyrian invasion, which is not exiled, they start to view the north as foreigners who have betrayed God because all of these foreign gods are coming in. And the rift between the Sumerians, remember Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom. After the Assyrian invasion, it's no longer the capital because they're not a separate nation anymore. But the Sumerians, that's what they're really called at that point, and the kingdom of Judah, the rift deepens. And even after Assyria moves on and the Babylonians come in and then the Persians come in, these two groups continue to fight. They continue to have these little skirmishes, but by and large, they are actually still so remarkably similar. Remember at this point, they share the Pentateuch and they both have similar temples. If you went to one location, you would probably think that it was very similar to the other location of these two temples. It's really in our third act that we see the separation. And, And really, that's the word for this third act. This is the permanent separation. Because what happens here is after hundreds of years... Um, after the Assyrian invasion, these groups, they they get into this kind of stable mode where sometimes they're fighting each other. Sometimes they're getting along and they're trading and they they go through a different period where it goes hot and cold between the two of them. But then the Greek empire comes in and this is where the action really starts to happen. Honestly, looking at this, I thought it was like an episode of Game of Thrones or something. Um, You just see similar themes of, of what happens here um, that you would see in a medieval uh, drama or something. What takes place is the Greeks come in and they want to change both of these temples and make both of these temples um, devoted to Greek gods, namely to the god, of Zeus, to the god Zeus. The northern kingdom... By some historical accounts, this is one of those points where there is debate, but by some historical accounts, the Northern kingdom agrees and says, okay. And then they separate from the Southern kingdom even more. And they say, look, we will worship these Greek gods. Just don't kill us. And we're not like those people in the South. Those people in the South, they're going to be unruly. They're going to fight you on this, but we're not like them. So in order to spare themselves, the the people who live in what was once the Northern Kingdom, they're fine with the Greek uh, authorities changing the temple and focusing on Zeus. The Southern Kingdom is not okay with this. So the Northern Kingdom was actually correct. The Southern Kingdom was going to be more unruly. They were going to fight this more. And what's really, really wild is that the Southern Kingdom stages a revolt against those Greek authorities they overthrow this Greek government, and they're successful in their revolt. In fact, they're so successful that they push the Greeks out of the Northern Kingdom and end up taking over some of that land and controlling that land. So now, put yourself in the place of the people in the Northern Kingdom. You wanted to just survive. So you said to these Greek people who are coming in, taking over, look, we'll just, we'll go along with what you want. Just save us, spare us, go attack the people to the South and focus on them. Then the people in the South that you've thrown under the bus have now taken over. Of course, they're going to be mad. And of course, the Southern kingdom is mad. So Judah, at this point, it's the Maccabean revolt. You may have heard that if you ever focus on Hanukkah, it's what's celebrated there. But the people who live in Jerusalem at this point, what they do is they pack up all their weapons, they go up north, and they just destroy the temple in Mount Gerizim. They tear this temple down. They, they say it's done, it's over. And this really is where we find the Samaritans begin to develop. This is where the separation really takes place because their temple is destroyed Their temple to them was the center of the world. This was where they met God. And now it is gone. And the people who live in Jerusalem, the southern kingdom descendants, they're the ones who tore it apart. So at this point, what we see is the Samaritans, they completely rewrite their Pentateuch. They rewrite their Bible and they say, we are completely done. That is where the separation takes place. And that's really in those three acts there the civil war, the exile, and then the separation of the temple, and then the rewriting of the Pentateuch. That is how we have the Samaritans develop who are so similar to the Jews, yet so much animosity is between these two. I would think that this might be, to try to 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 put this into our terms, let's imagine that the civil war in the United States was successful. Let's imagine that the, the Confederate States of America became an actual separate nation. You can imagine the level of animosity that would develop between the North and the South in two different countries who have been at war with one another, but had so much in common. So let's say that goes on for a couple hundred years. Um, the two states coexisting, skirmishing, fighting, you know, squabbling, squabbling with each other. And then let's say, and this is now my sci-fi nerd coming out, that a bunch of alien invaders from outer space come and wanna take over um, all of the land. And at that point, the South, who has separated from the North, who initiated a civil war says, okay, we'll side with you aliens. We're cool with this. We will, we will become your servants. Just don't kill us. And just know these people to the North, they're, they're gonna fight you on this. And then let's say that the North overthrows the aliens, sends them back to Jupiter or Mars, or uh, I don't I don't know, Andromeda, wherever they're from, um, sends them back. And then you're left with these two groups who have to just figure this out. The, the sense of betrayal is so deep. The, the sense of loss that they've all experienced is so deep. Now, why does this matter for us? I think it matters because when we understand that history between these people groups, when we understand the narrative that separates them it makes Jesus's words so much more impactful. Think about how much animosity there would be between the North and the South in that example that I brought up here. And yet Jesus says that this Samaritan woman is somebody who understands who he is better than these Jewish people. Imagine a leader now in that whole scenario I said about the United States North and the United States South, coming and saying that a a Southerner, somebody who sided with the aliens over us and who destroyed our country and who tore apart everything we knew and made us weaker, lifting somebody from that group up as a hero, how hard that would be to hear. Or imagine Jesus with the Good Samaritan parable, um, again, lifting up somebody from the South that has betrayed us over and over again, lifting them up. Now, the analogy does break down um, to a certain extent, and we have to understand that while Jesus lifts the Samaritans up as heroes, he does say that they are wrong. So, for instance, I, in that whole example, I don't think Jesus would lift up the South and say that the, the slavery the South condone would be okay. Um, there were certain standards here. Jesus lifts up the Samaritans because of correct behavior according to the Torah, so that standard holds in the Good Samaritan parable. Um, And Jesus does tell the Samaritan woman at the well that the Samaritans are wrong about where to worship God, that Jerusalem really is where God is and that they don't know God. So there are some qualifications to this, but it's still striking that Jesus lifts up a Samaritan. When you look at all of that history, when you look at all of the violence, all of the division, that's what Jesus calls us to, to let go of that history to let go of that division and I think really to look at the individual who is in front of you, who was made in God's image and to give them the benefit of the doubt as the image of God and make them prove to you that they're not willing to go worship in Jerusalem or make them prove to you that they're not willing um, to care for their neighbor. It's It's a changing of the standard that Jesus encourages there. So that's why I think this history is important. It's, it's fascinating to me. Like I said, it seems like a, a Game of Thrones episode when you look at the political maneuvering that's taking place, but it's more important because of the standard it sets for us. So I, the challenge in all this is who are those people that you tend to lump them into a broad category rather than looking at the individual person? that you tend to throw them into some sort of classification that you hold on to or judge them by the people group that they belong to rather than looking at the individual who was made in the image of God. That, I think, is the challenge here with this story of the Samaritan woman. So I hope you all find that as interesting as I did. Um, and I hope you find that, that, that challenging as well. Um, and look forward to more podcasts in the weeks to come here as we find extra things that we want to share with you all. God bless you all. And hope you have a good rest of your week. Amen.